and welcome to Vista Talks, interesting discussions with interesting people from all around the world. I'm your host for today, Simon Hodgkins, and it's an absolute pleasure to be joined by Edith Bendermarker. And Edith, you're a seasoned professional uh, in the field of globalization strategy uh, and, of course, localization. I know you've got over 12 years of experience. So when it comes to your role, I know you're the director of globalization strategy and localization operations at a pretty big outfit, NetApp, well known to many people. Um, you're based in San Jose, California. And in this role, you're leading a team of experts. You're sort of developing and implementing these global localization strategies that deliver the best customer experience. Um, I know you're a member of the board of directors of Gala, too, uh, an organization that's very well known to people within the localization industry, of course. Uh, but you're also a program director at Women in Localization. Um, who would celebrate their 15-year anniversary at the time of recording. So that's been very exciting. Uh, and of course, a non-profit organization globally uh, recognized now and continuing to expand. Um, Edith, you're, you're no stranger to speaking either uh, when it comes to globalization panels, industry events. And I know that you have a bit of a passion for mentoring and uh, developing localization professionals. And I might come back to that in a little while. We might just touch on that a little bit. But listen, welcome to Vista Talks. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today. Uh, let's move on. Let's get into some of the questions and uh, let's start discussing a little bit about yourself, your interest in pursuing localization. How did you end up in the role that you, you're in today? Where, where did that come from, Edith? Well, first, thank you so much for having me here. I am very honored to have the opportunity to speak to you. So thank you so much. Um, yes, how did it all start? Uh, my career started in publishing and public relations. So it had pretty much nothing to do with localization. Uh, but at one point in my life, when there was time to look for another position, this role popped up to become a um, linguistic quality team lead. And so it was at NetApp, it was a part-time um, um, role, and I was supposed to just, you know, kind of herd the cats, make sure we have the team of linguists running, uh, we make sure they all respond to the emails, let's make sure they deliver the projects on time. And that's how it started. That's how my career in localization started. I think I got the job because I came from uh, public relations and because I used to work with journalists from all over the world. And I think that was something that the hiring manager back then um, thought that this is a value add to the role. And so it started. And then from there, I have been learning about localization wherever I could, from whomever I could. I have used I listened to webinars, I went to conferences, I did become a member of Women in Localization because the local uh, chapter was organizing a lot of events where I was also able to network and learn. And then so that's how my career has progressed. And from the team lead, I became a manager, from manager, I became senior manager. Um, at one point, um, you know, I was offered to lead then localization operations where the linguistic team uh, was sitting. There, I learned everything about localization. I learned how TMS works, how reviews happen, how the technology has to be integrated across the company. Um, the next step became globalization strategy. And now I'm here today. 
Well, we're very glad that you're here today. And I said I'd come back a little bit because before I get into some of the other areas, I know that you've got a, a passion for developing talent in the localization industry. So could I just go back to that a little bit? Because whether it's through Maze or through NetApp, you're doing a little bit of work there. Could you maybe just share a little bit of insight into what you do there? So as I just mentioned, how I became who I am today in the industry, the volunteering part is to give back on that on, on that deliverable. Um, because I was the recipient of a lot of goodwill and a lot of people who were helping me out. I feel like I have to give it back and I have to do the same for others. Uh, I have different skill sets. I have different skill sets. So there are many different things that I can offer. And I feel with Miss, for example, it's an um, it's a um, it's Middlebury Institute of International Studies. So a lot of the students um, um, come already with some experience in localization, in language, and then so our programs that we um, that I support uh, help the students to develop further. It also gives them insight into the industry, into real life business, how it works. For example, on the client side. I'm sure they do the same uh, on, on the vendor side. And then, so for me, it's really about giving back. It's about recognizing um, what I can contribute. If, even if I can help one person, it really means something to me to do that. Well, thank you, Edith, because it, it kind of brings it full circle, doesn't it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's lovely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And let's, let's talk a little bit about your role then, because I mentioned in the introduction, obviously, uh, you've got a, a big role in NetApp. You're looking after a lot of the really important areas there as a director of globalization strategy and localization, because it obviously contributes to delivering, you know, a really great customer experience for NetApp. So could you maybe unpack your role a little bit and what it entails? So in my role as a globalization uh, strategist, everything that we do starts with strategy and we work towards execution. That is the localization operations part. Um, my role includes conversations and really deep understanding of the globalization requirements of each of the different departments that we work with. We work across all NADAP. We are a center of excellence. So whatever uh, planning is being done on a global scale, we are being included. Uh, this means to the discuss on a regular basis what the marketing efforts will be, what is our go-to-market plan. Uh, this means that we discuss with the product teams which products we will localize and continue to localize or internationalize. This means that our partner team uh, includes us in, in their discussions when they develop the content for our partners. Uh, a lot of our uh, business is partner-driven. That's why our partner team has also a big engagement uh, on that side. Whatever we do on that strategy side, whatever plans uh, we put into place, whatever budget we secure, we put that then into the execution part. That is where localization operations com comes in. Uh, we take in the projects through, of course, an automated workflow. Uh, we take in all the projects. We um, work then with our translation vendors to make them happen. And then we make sure that those projects are being delivered. There is also another part where we also measure and capture and measure ROI uh, metrics, where we really try to understand what impact has that localized content brought to our uh, to our audiences. 
Yeah, so important. And you, you've made that sound seamless and flawless and so easy. <laughs> but I know there must be big challenges, Edith. And I know that when you're, you know, you must face challenges when you're trying to break language barriers, when you're expanding into new markets. So what are some of the challenges that you've seen uh, during your time at NetApp? What are some of the challenges that people face when they're trying to break into new markets with new languages? I think one important element is that we did not necessarily understand when we were doing when we were doing it 12 years ago, but that we understand now is to really understand your customer. So the customer journey stages need to be identified. The customer journey stages need to be assessed. And then you see what is it that the customer or partner requires in order to be successful. And I'm saying this because there are no endless budgets. There are no endless systems that we can bring. There's also not an endless um, amount of languages that we can provide. So we have to be very targeted in how we provide a customer experience. And that is that starts with a deep understanding of the customer journey. I always say that, that we don't localize everything, but we do localize what is required for the customer to have them the best experience. Yeah, and would you have any advice uh, specific to that that you could maybe share with people listening today around the world, um, whether they're you know uh, watching this on a recording? But there are a lot of businesses out there that are you know they're looking to expand globally, um, and they're at different stages, aren't they? Some are at the very beginning of their localization journey, and they're you know they're not maybe not very mature uh, on their localization. A journey, whereas others might have some elements in place, and others can be quite sophisticated, maybe maybe complex almost in nature. So, what what advice would you give to businesses that are looking to uh, to expand successfully? Is there any sort of things you've picked up over your time, or some things that you would really recommend that you could share with us? I think you alluded to it that it is it is around the maturity of an organization. So if you are a startup, you probably cannot put in pl into place an entire globalization team with a strategist, with 5 PMs, with the technical support, with the best infrastructure. Maybe you can, because these days, probably it is much easier maybe to put that into place. And then you have companies that have been already on the market. They might be just adding one more uh, language or maybe one more country they want to expand to. I think it you need some of the elements that are important to do globalization. And I think that goes in both ways. Again, you can just start with one person with two or five people. I think you need to understand your customer base. You need to understand who is it that you are talking to and how is it that you want to talk to them too. Uh, you need a content strategy. You do need some translation management system. Uh, you do need some of the project management. You also need to have that deep understanding of your internal customers. So what is the product? Uh, what is your go-to-market strategy? And you kind of need to wrap that up and, and work on it. Again, it could be one product. It could be many products. It could be one language, it could be many languages. Um, so there are many um, different understandings that you need to gather as a globalization person, and then you need to run with it. 
I think one important thing is that you need to be able to sit at the table with other executives that do make the decisions. I think there is also something, this is what I talked to some of the teams that, um, that to me. Um, how do you get that seat at the table? How do you bring yourself to speak up maybe to your manager when you see that there, there could be an opportunity for localization, but they're not willing to, uh, to have that discussion, maybe just yet. Um, last advice I gave to someone, we just talked about it probably two weeks ago during a, a misengagement. And I said, you might also, sometimes you cannot go up at first. So maybe you just have to make friends across and you have to talk to other people in product, in marketing, in a partner, in partner group, whatever group you 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 have access to, and maybe there you need to talk about why globalization or localization is an important uh, aspect of uh, the company's success. Once you have friends, you can also bring it then up to your uh, next manager or whoever it is, and you can have that conversation. I think if you have you have to build relationships. You have to have allies that speak for you when you are not in the room. That's something that I noticed has helped us at our company. We've done that. We invited people at first and everybody was just listening to us, but people started coming in who saw the benefit working with us and they started speaking for us. And I think that is also an important part of um, relationship building, but also driving that deep, global thinking within the company. We are a big company. There's a lot of people to talk to. Maybe in a smaller company, you don't need to talk to everybody, but you have to find the right um, right people and the right stakeholders that might also help you, um, you know, to find localization or globalization an important part of the growth of the company. Yeah, and I, I suppose an, an important aspect of that, uh, whether it's for Nat NetApp or for other organizations is, it's mapping your sort of customer products or services or solutions to that customer journey, but then also mm -hmm. taking that into a, an international language context, you know, when you're expanding globally. And you touched on something really important there, Edith, which is this sort of, sometimes there can be a bit of a communication challenge or a communication void between the, the, the sort of language localization translation sort of experts and maybe it's the c-suite maybe it's the, the global product team i mean and have you got any sort of views on that because you, you mentioned a couple of ways there and sometimes you were saying maybe go out instead of up um but sometimes there is a gap isn't there of being able to maybe demonstrate the value of localization i suppose moving that age-old dial from cost center to you know, revenue driver to mm -hmm. aligning with business strategy, you must have to, you know, walk that line within NetApp. And, you know, could you maybe talk to that a little bit? Because there's a lot of work required internally as well as externally, isn't there? Correct. And I think that's the fun part of the job, but that is also the challenging part of the job. Because like you say, you almost have to convince your own people first in, in before you can convince others, right? So it does depend how high you go and how wide you go. That's why I kind of mentioned the partnerships and the relationships you have to build. If you don't have that, but let's say you do have the support from, from C-suite and they give you all the budget that is available, you might be okay. But in the end of the day, the, the product team does 
need to collaborate with you. They have to allocate resources. They do have to give you some of the time. They might have uh, work on some integrations. We also need to understand what an internal stakeholder, what are their goals? My goals are sometimes different than the goals of another group or department. How do we bridge these goals? How do we all come to the same understanding? That's the challenging part of the job. That is where you apply a lot of different tools. Of course, you would say, well, you all guys work for the same company. It shouldn't be a problem. I don't think it's a problem, but as I mentioned, each group has a little bit different goals, how we all get to the end goal. So many times in my conversations, I do bring it up to the end goal. What is the end goal that we all trying to accomplish so that we all can, can give a little bit, take a little, uh, a little bit, so that we can get to where we want to be. And I'm specifically talking about localization. It could be budget, it could be timelines, it could be systems that the other group has that are maybe not integrated with us, or where there's like a lot of manual uh, movement of files uh, from, um, from receiving the file to delivery of the file. So I think I will, Keep bringing it to the relationships. So that's one. I think you have to sit together at the table. You need to be able to voice why is it that we are doing it? What is it sometimes also for the other person or for the other group? And then find some common understanding how we can move forward. Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, it comes back to relationships, as you're saying, but it's also having that end goal. What are we trying to achieve here? Um, and I think that's great because you, you're kind of covering all bases there. And it is it is a challenge that some organizations find really difficult and other organizations maybe not so difficult. But it is a challenge when it comes to making sure that everybody sort of understands the importance of localization, translation and really being able to get their customers the right messages and the right language and the right tone, you know, with the right cultural aspects um, and it really can drive the business, can't it? So it's such an important fact. So thank you for sharing that with us. Sure. Um, and look, I don't want to run out of time because I also want to mention that, you know, we see you at industry events. We see you on the front of uh, industry magazines. And you also picked up a Think Global Award not too long ago for Language Industry Person of the Year. So congratulations. Thank but so the much. question I've got on the back of all that is, what about the individual? We've talked a lot about the company and the challenges, and we've talked a lot about, you know, uh, giving back, et cetera, at the start. But what about from an individual, somebody who's in this industry? Um, what's some, what are the skills? What are the qualities? What's necessary to be able to deliver success in this globalized localization industry? I could go on and on because for each role, you require a different skill, right? If you are a PM, you require very different skill, maybe when you're leading a team or if you manage our technology. But if I had to sum it up, it's about, it's about change. It's about accepting change and go with it. I also always say that change is the only constant. We have to be flexible. We have to be open to change at any given time because there is a lot of stakeholders. For my company, there's a lot of stakeholders. If we are just 
stuck on one thing and the only thing, we're not, we will not be successful. We have to be open to new, maybe technology, uh, technology systems that are coming in. We also have to think are our systems the best, and if not, how can we change it within our environment? Um, to me, that is one of the most important things. And then once you are open to change, you are flexible. And when you are flexible, you are also open to others. You are also open to listen what changes they might be bringing. Um, and that has proven right for myself, for me personally. I've always looked, I am not scared of change. I actually, I thrive on change. And that also then, um, you know, kind of translates into conversations with my team members or you know, our group or with other people around in the industry where change at times might feel very scary. Look at AI. Today's conversation about AI and when it started a few months back, it was fear. People started to get really, really scared about their jobs. And I don't blame them. It does sound crazy that a you know, ChatGPT can answer any question. It can create the content for you. It can translate the content for you. You know, I always was joking, will it also do my laundry? Because if it does, I'm set. And then so that change for the language industry, it was at first scare, but actually it is not. It, now that we are learning more about it and we are open towards it, we can see how much efficiency it can bring. It can scale us up, it can scale us down. It can maybe help us to get out of some of the manual steps, some. Um, but in all of this, I hope the humans realize that the human will be still required to stay and we will validate those engines, we will feed those engines, we will still have to maintain them because they can still not do anything without us at the end of the day. So just back to your question, if you are open to that change and not too worried how it's going to be, but you kind of think with it, you start using it, you, you, you kind of accept it. It's a good thing. Um, I am not bringing up the, the example with machine uh, neural machine translation. That is also one good example where I did have this conversation where we were, we were really worried if machine translation would take over all translators, reviewers. It didn't. But it became a very important tool for us um, to make translations happen. So I think we are uh, at the start of something different. I don't think it's comparable. Right, the impact will be much bigger. And we know that because everybody talks about it. You, in every aspect of life, AI is being discussed at the moment. So that means there will be a lot of change in many, in many parts of our life, but why not? That change might spur on some other exciting things. And I just look forward to see what's gonna happen. Well, thank you, Edith. You've touched on really excellent points there. and. You know, not only have you shared with us, you know, some of the qualities and maybe the skills that people need, depending on what type of role or area within the localization industry they're involved in, but also the tools and being open to change. So important, isn't it? And as you mentioned, AI is the hot topic of the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even that is changing. And as, as you you quite rightly point out, you know, as people's understanding of it and as we start to learn how the human works with the tool, the AI in this case, um, how that can in some areas, uh, you know, improve things, 
in others not so much we're still working through some of that uh, but it, it is in it is a very interesting perspective and I think you know I couldn't agree more you know being open to it uh, and understanding how it can maybe even benefit um, but it does feel different it does feel different at the moment yeah yeah um, well look I want to ask you before we do run out of time is there anything else maybe that we haven't touched on today that you'd like to share with our worldwide audience before we sort of finish up today? Um, maybe just be inspirational. Keep doing what you're doing. I think the localization industry is an amazing place. I love all the opportunities that we all get to present and to you know network and to speak to other people. I don't see it in other industries. I don't hear as much about it, or maybe I'm just I just don't know much about it. But I really love the localization industry. So whoever is listening, keep engaged, keep presenting, keep uh, talking to people, keep bringing up ideas, right? Keep bringing the next wave of localization because there there is just so much ai might be one aspect of it there is a lot of other things even before ai that we were already doing especially on the technology uh, on the technology side so i am super excited about it and i look forward to you know exchange all these ideas with people going forward well thank you edith that brings us nicely uh, to the end of today's episode here on vistas talks i just like to ask people to tune in again uh, to see and or listen to the next Vista Talk show, where once again, we'll be talking to some interesting people, just like Edith, on some interesting topics from all around the world. But thank you, Edith. It's been a real pleasure to spend some time with you today and to catch up on everything that's happening in your world. So thank you very much, Edith. Thank you, too. I am honored to be here.